If you brought a Bible this morning, go with me, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. As we continue our series of sermons entitled, I Love My Church. Today I want to share with you the great responsibility and privilege of being a part of the embassy of the kingdom of God. The local church is an embassy of the kingdom of God on earth. At least it should be. And the scripture tells us, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Father, we thank you for your word, which is powerful, and it is life-giving to the spirit of man. I pray this morning that you would anoint my lips of clay, to preach the word of the living God. And I pray that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that they might hear the word and receive it with gladness and active faith. I ask this in Jesus' name, and the church said amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to speak about the embassy of the kingdom of God. We find in this text a description of what the church and what the believer is in the eyes of God. We find that God considers the believer to be an ambassador of His name. In other words, every believer, every Christian, is a representative or an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I are a part of a kingdom. We live in the United States of America and thank God for this great nation which has been such a blessing to many all over the world. But we are citizens of a greater kingdom than the United States of America. We are citizens of a kingdom that has its origin not in a, uh, in a city on the east coast, but rather has its origin in the very heart and presence of God. We have a kingdom whose king is Jesus. He is an eternal king. He will never be replaced. He'll never be impeached. He will never be up for election. He will reign sovereignly forever. And He is the King and Lord of the church. And in the earth, He has established His church. I want you to know this morning that the church is God's strategy for bringing men to Himself. If men are going to come to Christ, they're going to come through the church. 
They're going to come through the preaching of the gospel done by a believer either on a street corner or face to face or through the um, witness of a believer or through the preaching of a pastor. But it's going to be the church who brings this gospel message to the world. The church of Jesus Christ is a powerful instrument in the hands of God. And I dare say that the church in the 21st century does not really understand its spiritual power. We have not come to know as a church our true spiritual identity and in many ways this has happened because the church has become so much like the culture. So much like the society we can no longer tell the difference between the believer and the non-believer. But you and I have been called to be a separate people. We are a part of the church. This morning you are in Kingsway Church and we are a, a body of believers here in the city of Beeville and we are the church. We are a body of Christ here in Beeville. But we are also a part of the larger body of Christ in the city. And all the people in the city of Beeville who have been born again and who have made Christ Lord in their life are part of the body of Christ. We are part of a larger body still, and that is all of the believers around the world in every language, in every tongue, of every race, those who have been born again, have entered into the family of God, and so we are a part of the global body of Christ. That body of Christ is God's representative on the earth. We are the agent of good news to the world. Many people will never hear good news except they hear it from you and I. Except you and I send someone to preach to them on the foreign field or you and I take responsibility for going to them and sharing the gospel with them. And so this morning I want to burden you with what God has given the church in terms of her responsibility. Often we come to the house of God and we hear about our privileges as believers. And we say amen and we shout hallelujah. But this morning I want to talk not so much about your privileges as a believer. I want to speak about your responsibility as a believer. Can I do that this morning? And if you, if you hear what your responsibility is as a believer, will you do what you are responsible for? Now that was a little weaker there, but I'm going to give you some time to, to get into the spirit on that. The Bible said we are ambassadors of Christ. I had the privilege of being an intern in Washington, D.C., um, and I, I interned for the office of the majority leader, and one of my jobs was to receive the dignitaries that would come into our office, and on many occasions I had the opportunity to meet ambassadors. Men who came in and they, they were the official representative of their nation to the United States. I discovered about ambassadors that they are a special breed of people. They have a, a dignity and an honor about them because as they walk, they are not only representing themselves or maybe a business or a company, but they are representing an entire nation, an entire people. I uh, also had the opportunity to go down what is called Embassy Row. And in, in Washington, there is a street on which if you drive down that street, you will 
find embassy after embassy. And an embassy, if you don't really um, know too much about uh, the political world, an embassy is a location, in, in, for example, in the city of Washington, D.C., if you were to go to the Japanese embassy, you would uh, go into the embassy. It's a building generally. And the moment you enter the territory of the embassy, it is now legally as though you were in that country. When you, when you enter the building, you go into a building and they speak the language of that country. They have a flag flying over the building. It's the flag of that country. And if you are a citizen of that country and you are in the United States, you go into that building and you have the covering of your country. Even though you're in Washington, D.C., but legally you're in Japan. You have the covering. You have the the, the uh, protection of that nation. And so it is that the local church, this, this body of believers and this house of God is an embassy. But it is not an embassy for a nation. Rather, it is an embassy of the kingdom of God on earth. So when people walk into the house of God, it is uh, you and I uh, who must uh, take it as our responsibility to know that there is a certain culture that goes with being in the embassy of the kingdom of God. And one of the great things about the embassy of the kingdom is that when you walk into the embassy of the kingdom, it is a place filled with love. Will you take the responsibility this morning of coming to church every Sunday and filling this building with love? That is our responsibility so that when someone walks in, the moment they walk in, they can feel that there is something different. There's a different atmosphere in this place because we're no longer in Beeville, Texas. We're now in a little spot of heaven on earth. That love reigns here. You know, I think we've all had an experience with a, with a bad church. We've all had an experience with, with Christians that weren't very loving. But I want you to put that aside this morning and make up in your mind. When, when I am in this house, I want it to be filled with love. And when I am representing Christ to the community, whether I'm at work, whether I'm uh, in the marketplace, whether I'm on vacation, let people know that I am a person of love. Because Jesus said this, by this will men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. You know the Bible says that if you do not love your neighbor, you do not know God because God is love. The culture of the kingdom of God is love. And I want you to know, if you're our guest this morning, that everyone who walks through the door of this church is loved. Doesn't matter what language you speak. Doesn't matter what your background is, what your race or color or your creed. We want you to know that God loves you and we love you as well. And the love of God must be the defining attribute of the church. Not only is it an atmosphere of love, but it is an atmosphere of peace. It ought to be that when you come into the house of God, you feel at peace. How many of you have felt peace in the house of God? Have you ever walked into somebody's house and you just felt tension? It's in the air, right? When, some, when there's tension, it's in the air. 
Well, I, I, I have uh, made up my mind that when, when we come to the house of God, you and I must make sure that when we come to the house of God that there's a, an air of peace in this place. When I went to uh, South Korea a, few, a couple of months ago, I, I was surprised by the fact that in South Korea, in the city of Seoul, there is an atmosphere of peace. I never for a moment in walking the uh, airport or walking the city or going down the streets or maybe even a couple of alleyways and we took a shortcut and so on, I never for a moment felt any apprehension or danger in that city. Now, I'm sure there's crime in Seoul, Korea, but while I was there, there was an atmosphere of peace, and I started to think about that and started to investigate that and wanted to know why is it that there is so much peace in this place? So I thought, well, maybe it's because in the 50s, the United States came to Korea, and we established a big military base, and the base is still there, and maybe that's why there's so much peace there, but, but then I, I uh, reasoned that that wasn't the, really the reason, and I thought, well, maybe it's just a Korean culture. Maybe they're just a peaceful people. But then I thought, well, you know, uh, the dictator up north, he's always saber-rattling, so it's probably not, uh, it's not the genetics of the, South, of the Koreans. And then I started uh, to go to church. I went to the um, full gospel church there in Seoul. It was a watch-not prayer meeting. Some of you don't have any idea what a watch-not prayer meeting is, but a watch-not prayer meeting is when you go to church late at night and you pray all through the night. Sounds like a foreign concept to some people. Well, I went to a Watch Night Prayer meeting. There were 12,000 people there. And, and when they began to pray, they began to pray out loud. Imagine 12,000 people praying out loud. And it was as if they had a tap on the presence of God. They could just open it and close it at will. And the moment they began to pray, the presence of God would flow through that room like a wave of energy and power that would come through that house. And when I experienced that, I said, this is why there is peace in South Korea. Because the church has built an atmosphere of peace. I have come to lay down the law this morning. Did you know that you and I can bring an atmosphere of peace to the city of Beville? Uh, now, I don't have a whole lot of time this morning to build you up in some faith, so you're going to have to get some and stir it up. But I want you to know that Beville needs the peace of God. There is far too much violence and drugs and immorality in our city. Come on, somebody. And you and I have the authority as ambassadors of the kingdom of God to set the temperature on this city so that when people come to our city, they can say, this is a city of peace. Now, are you prepared to take responsibility for that? Are you prepared to show up and pray? Are you prepared to stand in the gap? Because you see, if the church will build an embassy where the peace of God reigns, that peace won't be able to stay in this building. And it will begin to be disseminated all over the city. I'm casting a vision today that's bigger than something that you and I can do on our own. But as the body of Christ, we have been given authority. Our king is the prince of peace. 
Not only is this a place, an embassy of love and an embassy of peace, but it is also an embassy of hope. You see, friend, when you come to the house of God, there is something about being in God's presence that just naturally births hope. You can walk in hopeless, but if you will worship God, if you will open up your heart to God, if you will hear the word of God, I promise you the voice of God, the presence of God, the word of God will birth hope in your life because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when you get some faith being, when you get the word being preached, faith starts building up and hope rises and people who came into church thinking their marriage was over can walk out of church saying this thing can be healed. People who think that they walked into church never having any hope again for their future can walk out saying my life looks great toward the future because this is an embassy of hope. So I want you to watch what you say to each other. You're responsible for the things that come out of your mouth. I don't know if you knew that or not. I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek with you this morning, but I think you know that we can say some things that can discourage. The Bible said there's power of life and death in your tongue. You know, you can lose hope over one word, and you can get hope over a word. So how about you and I be the people who speak hope, who speak the word of God, who when somebody says, I can't, you say you can. When somebody says it can't be done, you say it can be done. When somebody says it's over, you say, no, it's just getting started. When somebody says I'm dead, you say God can raise the dead. Fill your mouth with the word of God and be an ambassador of hope. Put a smile on your face. I preached a funeral once. I was kind of embarrassed afterward. But they said, Pastor, you preached the entire funeral smiling. I'm sorry. I have hope. I said, I have hope. I have hope beyond the grave. I have hope beyond this uh, economic depression. I have hope beyond the, the shutting down of doors. I have a hope in a God who is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that I could ask or even imagine. Now, every embassy has ambassadors. These are legal representatives. You go to some countries, they actually use the word Minister, a minister of finance, a minister of commerce, a minister of, of public relations, and so on. And so you and I have been given a ministry. Now, I don't mean you have to walk around with an with a ID that says I'm a minister. I'm talking about the work that God has given you to do. Did you know that God will give you a function before he gives you a title? You know, a lot of people in the church want a title, but they don't want a function. They want to have a name that says, I am somebody, but they don't want to have the function of doing somebody, but doing something, but not here at Kingsway Church. Because you and I have an unction to function. And if you will do what God tells you to do, and if you will function in the gifts and callings of God on your life, then you will have... The grace of God in your life to do everything that God has called you to do. So here we have an embassy. And in the embassy we have 
ambassadors. How did we become an ambassador? Tell your neighbor, I'm an ambassador for Christ. Now, I, I could tell you didn't really believe that. You're just being obedient flock this morning. But tell them again, I'm an ambassador for Christ. What does that mean? That means you are a legal representative. Now, if you're going to be an ambassador, you ought to get to know the language of the king. Can I say that again? If you're going to be an ambassador, you ought to get to know the language of the king. If you're going to be an ambassador, you ought to get to know the law of the kingdom. Because we are legal representatives of Christ. Now, notice what the scripture says here. We read in verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ. This is how you became an ambassador. Because you were not born an ambassador. I was not born an ambassador. We were born outside of the kingdom. How is it that someone born outside of the kingdom is now a representative for the king? This is how. Because you got into Christ. Are you into Jesus? Are you in Christ? The scripture says, if any man be in Christ, the way that Noah was in the ark, you must be in Christ. The way that the Hebrews were in the house with the blood over the doorpost of the house, so you and I must be in Christ. In Christ, there is salvation from sin. In Christ, there is justification for the sinner. In Christ, there is peace with God. In Christ, there is the forgiveness of our trespasses and the washing away of our iniquity. If any man be in Christ, friend, if you are not in Christ this morning, I stand before you as God's ambassador to tell you that you can find what you're looking for only in Jesus Christ. I can tell you beyond the shadow of any doubt, some of you are scratching around trying to find that thing that will fill your soul. You have tried money, you've tried work, you've tried relationships, some of you have tried drugs some of you have tried alcohol some of you have tried sexual immorality nothing will ever satisfy your life nothing will ever fill your soul until you find Jesus Jesus is the thirst quencher Jesus is the satisfier of the human soul Christ alone can do that Jesus alone can do that for you, and you have to be in Him. How do you get into Him? How do, I, how do I get into Christ, Pastor? This is how you confess your sin to God. It's a simple thing. You say, God, I have sinned against you. I have broken your law. I deserve judgment. But I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin, to, to make me new. And friend, if you will do that by faith, that moment that you do that, he will change your life and give you a new and fresh start. You say, it sounds too easy. It is easy. Salvation is by faith. 
Not by works. There's nothing you can do to get saved. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. Only God, by His Son, Jesus Christ, has made an offer of salvation. It is a free salvation available to anyone who will believe. So many times we get trapped by our, our, our thinking. We want to we wanna, uh, make terms with God. God has already made the terms. And that is what this word reconciliation means. It means that you and I have been reconciled with God. When Jesus went to the cross, He went to reconcile us with God. Because we, we were separated from God because of our sin. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, a wall, as it were, of separation was built between God and man. And now because of the holiness of God, he cannot approach sinful man. Because of his sin, man cannot approach a holy God. And so what was necessary was that the Son of God had to come and become a man. He built, he, he came and he lived in human flesh. He became a human being. And then he lived a sinless life. And then he was crucified on a cross. And on that cross, God poured out his wrath and his anger upon his own son. And Jesus and God on the cross worked out the terms of reconciliation for you. The Bible said that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. While we were still enemies of God. The Bible said that to be a friend of the world is to be an enemy of God. And so, friend, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, then by the very act of being born human, you are in a place of, of enmity. You are an enemy toward God. But God doesn't want you to be His enemy. He wants you to be His child. And so He sent His Son to the cross. And at the cross, His Son paid the penalty for man's sin. He paid the penalty to remove that wall of separation that was between you and God so that this morning, if you will believe Him by faith, you can receive the full and complete pardon of all of your sins and have relationship with God so that those who were once enemies can now be friends. Those who were once separated can now be united. You were on the outside, now you can be on the inside. You were a stranger, now you can be a son of God if any man be in Christ. Are you in Christ this morning? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation? If any man be in Christ, the Bible says he is a new creature. That means the moment you come to Christ, you become new. Now, I thought I was talking to the church this morning. I just made the most incredible, hard to believe, awesome statement that any man could ever make. That if you're in Christ, you're a new Creature. What? What? A new creature. A new man. A new woman. 
That means if you were a liar before, you're a truth teller now. If you were if you were broke before, you're rich now. If you were lost before, you're found now. If you were a reject before, you are accepted now. Come on, somebody. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. I got a new mind. I think different. New heart. New emotions. I have a new direction, a new purpose. I have a, a, new, a, a new job, a new function for the glory of God. If any man be in Christ then his vocabulary is new. And the way he sees things is new. And the way that he handles problems is new because he is in Christ. I'm telling you this morning, you may not always feel it, but you need to know it. I am a new creature. I am a new creature. Every once in a while, your old man will show up and try to tell you that you're not new, that you're not any different, that you're still the old same person you always used to be. I want you to tell that devil, look devil, if I am in Christ, I am, I am, I am a new man, a new woman, I'm a new creature. Old things have passed away. Some of you, can't even remember the old anymore. Praise God for that. It's so gone, you can't even remember it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The old things have passed away. Thank God that he can bury things in the past. There's some people that talk about skeletons in their closet. If you're in Christ, there are no more skeletons in the closet. They've been dealt with. They are put away. The old hymn says, My sins are gone. As far removed as the darkness from the dawn. In the sea of God's forgetfulness. Praise God, my sins are gone. Friend, you have to get that in your spirit. Your past is past. It is over. It is done with. It is under the blood. It is settled. Somebody celebrate the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Old things have passed away. Yesterday is gone. Did you blow it yesterday? It's gone. Did you mess up? It's gone. Leave it under the blood. Today is a new day. When you look at yourself in the mirror in the morning, you say, look, boy, this is a new day, and this is a new me, and we're going to do things different because I am a new man in Christ Jesus. Well, do you believe that, don't you? Has that truth come alive in your heart? Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. That's why I'm an ambassador. Because I'm a new man. That's why I am a representative of the king because the king has transformed 
my life. Some days you're going to wake up and you're not going to feel like you're even saved. Your outer man will be roaring. And you need to tell him, be quiet. The Holy Ghost is boss now. There's a new man in charge here. And the word of God is life to his spirit. And prayer is communion with the almighty God. And worship is possible because I have a spirit that's awakened toward God. There is a new thing going on inside of me. I have some students in the Bible school. They've told me, Pastor, you know what? Before I came to Bible school, I never read anything. I hated reading. I couldn't even read. And then I got saved. Started studying the word of God. I can't get enough now. How did that happen? How does a man go in from hating to read to can't stop reading the word of God because something powerful has taken place on the inside of his life? And I just want to charge you with this, friend. If you are new, then that means new appetite. You don't have to have the appetite of your old carnal nature. You don't have to have the appetite of your flesh. There is a new appetite for you. A new taste in your mouth. And we have been called ambassadors of God. And what is the work of our ambassadorship? What is our ministry? Our ministry as an ambassador is right here in verse 18. Now all things are from God who reconciled us to himself, to Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. As an ambassador of Christ, your ministry and my ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. That means that our job, our function now, is to bring others to know Christ. I worry about any Christian who does not have a burden for the lost. If you can watch people go to hell and not worry about it, I worry about you. Pastor, you're getting personal this morning. I'm worried about you. If a member of the church can watch somebody else walking toward an eternal hell and not be concerned about it. There's a problem there. I heard a story about a man who was on death row. The minister came in, read a few scriptures, no, no passion about it at all. And the man on death row said to the preacher, he said, sir, if I believe what you are reading I would crawl across England on my knees to stop a man from going to death row before entering that eternity without God. We can't be passionless about the saving of souls because somebody had passion for your soul. Somebody found their, a place on their knees and said, God, save that boy, save that girl, save that young man. Somebody reached into heaven and grabbed hold of God by faith and said, God, redeem, save, sanctify, heal, make them whole, make them new. Friend, that is our ministry today, the ministry of reconciliation to draw men and women to Christ. To say you must know 
my Savior. Sometimes we're more passionate about, I'm going to meddle, okay? I'm, I already started meddling, so I'm going to meddle a little bit more. Sometimes we are more passionate about Tupperware. Pastor, they don't even sell Tupperware anymore. But if I mention the things you sell, then we'll be in real trouble. So I'm just going to leave that out. <laughs> but sometimes we are more passionate about what we're selling than the Savior. You got to try this diet I'm on. You got to try this shake I'm taking. And it won't make one lick of eternal difference. We have a ministry of reconciliation. The spirit and the bride have a cry to the lost saying, come. Come to Jesus. Come to the Savior. That's our ministry. I recall Pastor Chuck Smith teaching, uh, telling a story of a hippie that came into church this was back in the 70s, and, and this uh, young man was uh, off of the streets. He was part of the hippie culture, and he didn't know any better. He just came right down the aisle of the church, and he sat crisscross applesauce right in the front of the front pew. And, you know, all of those folks, they kind of got nervous about that. Like, what are we going to do? He's sitting on the floor. And the deacon got up. And as Chuck was preaching, he thought, oh, man, the deacon's going to tell him to sit on the pew. He said, but instead, the deacon came and sat crisscross applesauce right next to him and put his arm around him and welcomed him into the house of God. Come on, church. This is a family thing. That's what this ministry is about. It's about coming to the lost and saying, look, I know that you've been in a rough place. I used to be there too, but I know a God that can clean up rough places. I know a God that can make all things new. Not only are we seeking reconciliation for the lost, but we're also re seeking restoration for the fallen. You know, there is a sad indictment that has been made of the church. They say that we are the only army that shoots its wounded. Not here. So many times when someone is wounded by their sin, a, a believer, rather than come around them, the church starts firing at them. But no. Our ministry is to restore them. To say, look, you failed. You've fallen. But not too far. And not too much. God can restore. Galatians 6.1 says, brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual. Are there any spiritual people here? You are spiritual. That means you walk by the Spirit. Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. When your brother, your sister in Christ has fallen into sin and the enemy will do a work on them and he'll tell them, don't ever go back to church. God will not receive you. Those people at church will not receive you. And there are many of our brothers and sisters they are missing this morning because the enemy has done a work on their mind and he has told them, don't ever go back to church. 
You failed. You sinned. You blew it. But you are spiritual. Restore such a one. The word restore there the Apostle Paul uses is a word that a fisherman would use in mending his nets at the end of a catch. When those nets had begun to fray and break, the fisherman's task was not done until he had restored the nets. And it occurs to me, church, that no one restores a broken thing unless they have faith that it will be useful again. God is in the restoration business. And the reason he restored you was because he believed that he would make you useful again. And the reason that he has given us the ministry of reconciliation is so that we can restore others and make them useful again. Can I challenge you with this in closing? Are you about to throw away What God can restore. Some of you are about to throw your marriage away. But God can restore. Some of you are about to throw your spiritual life away and just say, I just can't do this. God can restore. I stand before you as an ambassador and a minister of reconciliation to, to tell you don't throw away what God can mend. Give him the broken things in your life. Let him mend them. Because he loves you. And I have faith that he can make you useful again. I have faith that he can restore joy to your life and peace to your life, and that he can restore hope to your life, and he can begin right now if you will receive him by faith. And so I'm going to ask if you would say, Pastor Isaac, it's not maybe not much, but there's a little hope in my heart this morning that says God has a better future for me than I thought. And I want to ask him to come into my life. I want to ask him to take advantage of this, to take, come into this situation and change it. It might be, friend, that you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the first opportunity I want to give you. And those who are up here, we're going to pray discerningly. Not everyone will be coming for the same thing. So I want you to pray with discernment. But if there's anything broken in your life this morning and you say, Pastor, only God can fix this, but I believe he will. I want you to leave your pew. If it's a, a, a couple, would you come together? Sister Shalise, would you come stand with Brother George, please? Come on. If you know there's, there's some mending that's needed in my life, there's some ministers of reconciliation right here who want to minister to you. Every head bowed. I'm, I need you praying, church, please. Would you come? Maybe your faith has been put under pressure. Your spiritual walk has been under pressure. Would you come? If you say, I want to agree with someone in prayer this morning and trust that God is able to make me whole, to make me new. I'm waiting for you. You say, Pastor, I need 
I need Jesus to be the Savior of my soul this morning. Would you come? We're waiting for you.